welcome to this episode of The Insatiable Appetite. My name is Larry Couch, I'm Visual Communications Manager here at the Hartman Group, and this week we're going to be talking about a topic that may be a little unusual for those of you not into the video game world these days. That is video games and their connection to food and beverages. I'm joined here today by two other video gamers who are well-versed here at the Hartman Group in the world of food. Jacob Conklin, our senior web developer and IT administrator, and Robertson Allen, senior consultant and Hartman Retainer Services. Rob also happens to be the author of a book on video games called America's Digital Army, Games at Work and War. You can look it up. But first, let's start with you, Jacob. From your perspective, how are video games and food related? Thanks, Larry. Well, I think you can look at it from all sorts of different ways. Food has always been a big part of video games in terms of food being an easy representation of health or power. Mario eats a mushroom, gets bigger, or a character has some food in the game and regains health. Uh, but I've noticed more games that are actually about food. That can be something as simple as Candy Crush or Cooking Mama, or these kind of simulation games that get the player to play as if they are cooking in a restaurant. Uh, there are tons of these. Burger Shop, Food Truck Chef, uh, just a lot of them are out there right now. KFC actually made a dating simulator a couple months ago where you can date a younger Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and uh, just recently... Uh, Wendy's made a Dungeons & Dragons style role-playing game around this fantasy world they created called Feast of Legends, which is a, apparently pretty well done, and um, it's a tabletop-only uh, game. Yeah, I saw a video about that. It uh, looks pretty cool, actually. Um, there seems to be a lot more interaction between the video game industry and the food and beverage industry happening these days. Uh, is that right, Rob? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, there's, there's been a long relationship between uh, the food industry and the video game industry, but the biggest thing our clients would be interested in currently is uh, really in how gamers are actually consuming food on the one hand, and also what sorts of marketing or cross-merchandising relationships are out there and, and what's the possible, what, or what are the possibilities for that. Um, and we know from our Eating Occasions database uh, that it's not all kind of these traditional gamer foods like energy drinks, salty snacks, chips, uh, jerky. Uh, it's not just that the gamers are having when they're playing games. There's this whole array of different things that are out there that gamers are, are consuming, not just energy drinks. Energy drinks are actually pretty low on the list. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity out there for sponsorship um, that uh, could be potentially um, uh, good for consumers in reaching them and reaching, reaching target markets. And another growth area, growth really is this uh, whole competitive video game industry that's really becoming an absolutely huge spectator sport, um, really in its own right. And that's where uh, a lot of the market's growing in the video game markets. And it's, it's really huge these days. Um, just an example, the prize pool for some of these competitive game tournaments is Six million dollars now, um, and so there's professional teams called esports teams, e athletes uh, that are even making a bid to uh, become a, a competitive Olympic sport in some cases. Um, and just another a number here: in 2017, in the U.S. alone, the overall video game market was worth 29 billion dollars, and that's it's huge. It just keeps on growing. Even through the recession 10 years ago, the video game industry kept on growing. Um, it's moved past movies, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the number one game, uh, number one entertainment industry, I think, right now. Um, and it passed movies, um, I think, like five years ago. So but don't quote me on that. Um, 
So we're starting, uh, a lot of companies and uh, food companies and beverage companies are starting to have that kind of sort of corporate sponsorship of esports teams, esports athletes, um, companies like Red Bull, Monster, and now even I was just reading uh, stuff about Bud Light uh, starting to sponsor some events and teams. Um, and, you know, fast food companies like Taco Bell um, and um, Jack Link's, companies like Jack Link's Mountain Dew are also like getting really in on these kind of cross-merchandising relationships with, with games, like Call of Duty being one example. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these products are geared toward this kind of stereotype of gamers, uh, kind of, you know, always on junk food and, and, and fast food and stuff, but, and they're, that they're typically teenage boys or 20-something men. Yeah, that's right. I would say that um, our perspective on that is that even though there may be a lot of opportunity for food and beverage brands in that kind of market of kind of adolescent boys, you know, younger millennials, it's really not the only market out there. Um, so you know, typically, I, I always like to say, you don't think of moviegoers or TV watchers as your market. Um, they're not some kind of monolithic group, but there still is this tendency to lump together like all the video game gamers into that kind of stereotype. Uh, of an adolescent kid, and that really isn't the case anymore, even if it ever was. Right, yeah. Um, and so I, I brought with me just a, a couple of data points to illustrate that fact, uh, and the Entertainment Software Association publishes um, data on who U.S. video gamers are every year. Um, just a couple of points. The average age of a video gamer is 34 years old, getting into the kind of the older millennial range there. 45% of American gamers are women. And adult women who are gamers are a bigger group than boys who are under 18, um, for just in terms of total numbers. 60% of Americans play video games daily. And to me, that's really impressive. Um, and... I would say that a lot of this really aligns well with our own data here at Hartman Group on our eating occasions data so we can track kind of what people are doing, uh, what media they're using as they're having different kinds of consumption occasions. And so there's a huge opportunity here, we think, uh, to be able to reach gaming consumers who don't necessarily fit that kind of uh, demographic of the, what I call quote-unquote traditional gamers um, especially if it's done in a considered and more targeted way. And one thing we've not talked about is how tech helps connect gamers to food. Yeah, there are lots of different ways that I've seen that um, you know businesses can connect with gamers. It can be through streaming platforms, uh, Uber, other delivery services. And the classic one that I, I just recently thought about was the, uh, the, the good old slash pizza from EverQuest where you could... Uh, directly order a pizza right there from in-game. And then a more current example, um, uh, Hideo Kojima, uh, he's a, a game designer. His newest game, Death Stranding, has a another example of an energy drink placement, actually monster energy drink. And um, yeah, those are a few of the examples there. Yeah, I remember playing a Mad Max video game where there was the uh, kind of hood ornament you could put on your your car that had an ever or not everquest it was a, a rockstar uh, energy drink with a skull that you could put on your car 
It's kind of bizarre and, and interesting little product placement in there. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, they've been doing it in TV shows and movies for years, yeah. you know, decades, and it doesn't. You don't even notice it, but um, now that it's starting to creep into video gaming, it's it, it, it's way more noticeable. Definitely, but, yeah. but it's kind of a cool novel thing, I guess. It shows sort of how the how the industry's uh, matured in in a way. You know? Yeah, I would say for a lot of gamers, it probably breaks their immersion to a degree. It, it really depends on the game, though. Everybody loves a turkey in the wall. Yeah, a turkey in the wall. <laughs> These kind of really weird kind of uh, foods and beverages that just appear to give you power-ups and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, Rob, why do you think it still skews toward energy drinks? Um, I think that's, that's really one of the um, focuses in games. You've got to have your sort of energy levels high and your, keep your focus really high. Uh, to be able to maintain concentration, especially if you're playing with other people, um, and especially if you're in a sort of competitive context. Um, but I, I really think that there's a movement towards this kind of um, what we're seeing in a lot of other consumers, like clean energy, uh, things like nootropics, um, adaptogens. It's just more fresh, less processed stuff that's not necessarily being marketed towards video gamers yet, unless um, it's, there's a couple of niche companies out there that are doing that. Um, but uh, that's probably where I see a lot of the future uh, going towards um, in, in this broadening of video game markets. Well, online gaming is super competitive. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you think you're good at a game, just wait till you oh, get yeah. online and play against other people. So anything you can you can have that might give you a little bit of an edge, I could see uh, becoming quite popular. Yeah, uh, especially something that doesn't have the the kind of crash associated with energy Definitely. drinks and things. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. not everyone's trying to play games for 24 hours straight, you know, all <laughs> night. But uh, and we don't recommend that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's one reason why I don't really play online video games myself. I just like this kind of slower-paced, um, private, you know, single-person sort of experiences. Yeah. Uh, so, Jacob, uh, I just want to know, when you play games, uh, what do you have? What, what do you eat or drink? Anything? You know, yeah, you know, I think I skew toward the less messy foods. So things like um, just fresh fruit, um, dried fruit um, more often. Um, Bowls of pretzels, stuff that's like not very messy that I can have a big bowl of, pop it in every now and then. And um, for, you know, on the beverage side, uh, just, you know, diet sodas, seltzer, stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm, where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Myself, I, I'm, usually, I'm usually playing in the evening, so maybe that has a, a little bit of a, uh, an effect on what my my food and beverage choices are, but I'm always almost always got a beer by my side. Um, it's it's nice to sip a beer while while you're playing. Um, I tend to go for salty snacks too, nothing too messy. Um, sometimes like cheese and crackers is nice. You know, you got you got to slice them up ahead of time though, or you'll be wasting too much time in between. But yeah, messy foods are bad. I, I tried to eat some some delicious leftover barbecue during a, a gaming session one time, and the controller was pretty much. <laughs> That's a good consideration, that. I think, for food <laughs> manufacturers when you're thinking about gaming occasions, right? Yeah, even even like Doritos and things, those like those coated type uh, salty snacks can can leave a nasty residue. Right. Well, that's the funny stereotype of the like Dorito dust covered controller or keyboard. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever like actually seen that in the wild. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
Uh, I have a little kid, and I've experienced it. I'm <laughs> I still clean those off sometimes. I'm I'm pretty much just a straight up beer drinker. No no food or no no snacks. It's just it's craft beer. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you guys about uh, the you know the the new developments in the game industry and and how they uh, apply to food and beverages. I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed it as well, and uh, we look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the future. So thanks for listening.